Welcome to the Yogi MD Podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. And it felt like I would look back on memories or pictures and feel like, man, like, I just want that back again, you know, because it was hard to, yeah, it's hard to, like, be ripped away from something that's like, this is going to be four years that are great. And then it's like, well, here's a pandemic that's really lingering for a variety of reasons. It was early morning on March 13th, 2020, hours after my husband was well on his way to the East Coast in our van to evacuate our eldest daughter, Maddie, just months before her college graduation. I was headed to Iowa to evacuate our youngest daughter, Lizzie, only weeks before her scheduled spring break. I stopped at our local coffee shop, and while I was waiting for my order, another local patron, the barista and I, naively mused about temporary canceled events, and school closings due to the pandemic. Oh, little did we know. Armed with caffeine, snacks, sandwiches, and an audiobook, I made the five-hour drive to Grinnell. There was no time to spare, since this was going to be a round trip. Instead of a single duffel bag, Lizzie, a friend, and I loaded the car with all of her belongings, since she would not be returning for the rest of the semester. It was only when, on I-80, finally homebound, that I was able to relax. With stretches of boring highway adorned by lackluster scenery ahead of us, I could talk to my girl, and I could listen, as she wept with disappointment over the abrupt and scary end to her sophomore year at her beloved Grinnell College. What you are about to hear is her story. Her lifelong struggle to fit in in school. Finally thriving in her college community. Grieving the abrupt disruption of her college experience. And finally, by deciding to take a semester off, she had the time to confront years of habitual negative self-talk, to become the well-rounded and healthy person she is today. I mean, in grade school and high school, it was just about getting, taking certain classes you had to take and there were math classes and subjects I wasn't good at and the homework was always hard for me to do and to remember and it just wasn't, I didn't really care about it as much and I had my English classes, those were usually the ones I really liked um, because it'd usually be a good teacher and I felt like I could really do what I wanted to do in those classes and write, which is what I like to do. So when I got to Grinnell, it's a liberal arts school, it's small. There's a lot of opportunity to do and take a variety of things because it's not really a traditional college path the way like a state school would be. Not that that's, nothing's wrong with that. It's just not for me. So I was able to pick classes that were really specific and 
take a craft of fiction class, which is what I really want to do. The English classes were more challenging and it helped me improve my writing a lot because I got to, for the first time, got like B's on essays and I was like, oh, now I see how I can get better and how I need to improve my arguments and stuff and all that. And it was actually like a better community. Um, even though I have a lot of close friends still from high school, there's something better about college because it's a place where there's a lot of artistic people. My art teacher in high school is very mean and she didn't, she graded based on technique that she thought was the right way versus effort, which I just didn't agree with. So Grinnell, I got to explore more things creatively and have a different creative community that I didn't have before. Yeah, the traditional way of doing things has always been boring and unengaging for me. I mean, like that's how school usually is. So Grinnell was different because I was able to actually explore more, explore different ways of thinking and more complicated ways of thinking or like different pathways which were cool. Being more creative with how I do everything, so how I write and how I think and how I approach certain situations or whatever. It's not really all what it seems, I guess, and how we're taught to think about, oh, here's this thing about morality or here's this thing about how we should live or how we should treat people or what values we've internalized that we didn't even realize. So yeah, Grinnell is cool for that. And I feel like it opened up, I mean, a few years ago, I wouldn't understand the things that I do now. So that's pretty cool. Did you ever feel like you were not smart before Grinnell in school uh, yeah. or that you did not belong? Yeah, I mean, in school, it was hard to, especially like earlier on, it was hard to feel belonging because, yeah, I, you know, in a math class or something, I was like, wow, I feel really stupid because, you know, everyone's getting it and I'm really behind and I had to find my own ways to catch up with everybody because there were times I remember being in like third grade and we were doing multiplication and I wasn't understanding it at all and I had to like figure out my own little way to do it in order to actually be able to do it because everybody else was like oh yeah we're getting this and I wasn't and then also in high school in bio freshman biology they placed me in honors but I'm not really a big science person so it was a really hard class and there were these things called Punnett squares and everybody knew how to do them except me and I failed the quiz because I tried but I didn't really understand because she didn't explain it well because she thought, oh, everyone knows. And I had to work extra time with her. So sometimes it felt like, wow, I'm not smart in these areas at all. So how could I be smart overall? You know, But obviously that's not true because that's not what intelligence is. So I know now that I am able to think and do things in ways that are smart, obviously, that traditional school doesn't emphasize, obviously. You have to kind of find it yourself. Obviously, we all have, like, imposter syndrome, but I feel like I now know more from exploring areas that, well, both areas that I was good at and being challenged and also things that I hadn't known about before and learning and being able to 
understand it. When did you feel that empowerment of feeling like a smart person? I guess maybe more into my first year, like probably not when I first got there because I remember being in um, my literary analysis class. It's like the first English class you take and having a hard time participating in class and feeling like the essay topics and stuff were really challenging because it was pushing me more than I had been before. And I kind of felt like, whoa, am I as good at this as I thought? Then when I finally started to get more comfortable and take more classes where I was learning a lot and thinking critically and deeply about other things, I realized, oh yeah, I have a lot of capacity to do this. And in my second year, I felt like, okay, now I feel more comfortable with, yeah, especially in my second year, I took a an English class with someone who's now a mentor in this research project that I'm doing. But that really helped me think about a lot of things differently because it was a challenging class and we had to really push ourselves to come up with ways of thinking we hadn't had before. But now that kind of pushed me towards getting into this research fellowship because he recommended me and also thinking really deeply about just things that you wouldn't see much depth in, like, you know, a science fiction movie. So it was cool to realize that I had that potential that I wouldn't until I took certain classes or had certain guidance um, to get me there. So that that was good. And that was why Grinnell is important because it's small. I would have never done anything like this in a big school. It sounds to me like it's not that you wanted to have an easy road or only to be able to think about certain subjects. You did want challenge, but in a more supported environment and maybe with people who would allow you to think outside the box and would actually encourage you to think outside the box. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah definitely. Because it's one thing to be... Yeah, I mean, we all have our strengths um, and that's good. But yeah, we definitely should be challenged in them so we don't think, I'm the best, uh, there's no getting better. And it's like, well, no. Obviously, I didn't have that big of an ego, but I did think, oh, I'm like probably the, what the you know one of the better writers in my class or whatever. But then when I got to college, it was like, okay, now I can really push myself to be better because there's actually like a a challenge to make me do that. I know that I'm not a math and science person and it's not a matter of, oh, well, you know, you're not bad at it. You just need more practice. It's not what I want to do. And it also just was never easy. Even with the tutor who was a really great tutor, it was still just like a big struggle. So that's not the kind of thinking that's for me and that's fine. It doesn't mean I can't do other sorts of complicated thinking. Some people can't really write an essay well because they're just like, I don't know how to put words together like that, but they can you know, be doing physics problems or whatever. So I think it was good to have support and have challenge and feel like, okay, this is something new and I can come out of it with like fresh eyes, I guess. Yeah. And so you touched upon the academic, but what about the social environment and mm -hmm. how you flourished there? When I first got there, I had two close friends at the time who we're also from the Chicago area and a lot of Grinnell Chicago people had planned a little meetup and we went downtown and at Navy Pier and stuff. So I had those previous connections. So it was good to have a couple people who I felt close to, but then it was harder than I thought to 
make close friends because I'd had these friends from like grade school and high school who I feel like that happens more organically or in a lot of classes together and you see each other a lot. It's a small environment. Um, but in college, it's if you're not an extrovert and you're not going out to a lot of stuff, um, it's hard to have close friends immediately. So for a while, I only had a couple close friends in my first year, which was fine, but I felt like, oh my gosh. But it was still good because since it was a small environment and in my classes, I felt like I could still have acquaintances and talk to people. And at times, even though it felt lonely because some people are extroverted and had a big group, like immediately, I also felt like it's good to take time because then you realize who's actually going to be a good friend. I, I was surrounded by a lot of the same people and sheltered in high school, I think. I never had like terrible interactions with people, you know, and if I did, I was like, well, I don't have to deal with them. So it was, it was good to get different experiences. And then there were a lot of events I could get into really easily. There was no judgment a lot of the time. At Grinnell, they do two drag shows every year. So one in the fall and one in the spring. And I got to be in the intro of one my first year, which was like very nerve wracking, but a cool and different experience. And then I felt like, wow, I can put myself out there and do different things. And I made lots of cool friends from that experience and getting in, going to some clubs and just checking it out. And even if I was really quiet for the first few meetings, it was still nice to like get the environment and be like, okay, I have these people I can see once a week and do different things with. So yeah, it was good to do lots of activities. And then creatively, I definitely got to do way more because so there were open mics often and I would go to open mics all the time. I'd read some poetry so that helped me write more poetry because I kind of fell out of doing that in high school just because I was really busy and I would play guitar at open mics and everyone's like really nice. It's quiet and chill and everyone just gets up and kind of can do whatever they want and nobody's, yeah, nobody's being judgmental. Everyone's very encouraging about it. And then I ended up meeting um, a group of people who wanted to play music in a band. And I immediately reached out and I was like, yes, I, I'd love to do this. I play guitar, I play bass. And so we ended up forming a band and practiced all the time. And we became like a formal thing so we could play at the end of the year show, which is called the Grinnellian and also Showvember, which is the big show in November. And we would kind of collaborate on, oh, I like this type of music. I like this song. And we'd just kind of play around some days and just figure out like, what do we want to cover? Do we ever want to do anything original? Like it was just really fun because being able to play music with people. And then the drummer, the, just the drummer and I decided we wanted to play some like Green Day songs and more like more stuff that is more rock or like punk. And so we made our own little subset. Um, so I felt like music definitely got to be both a like an exciting thing and a fun thing and not like a pressure thing because there was no like pretentiousness about it. Everyone was just playing and having fun and being creative. It wasn't like a competition or so that was really cool. Again, like it opened up so many doors for new thinking and new passions and stuff and new ways to connect with people because it'd be fun to just kind of end up randomly talking to someone. Maybe you never have that kind of conversation with them again, but you talked at this one event and it was really cool and it was 
something really deep. You know, people there like tend to get into talks about like things that sometimes are really abstract or whatever. Or you just start talking and then somebody, they're really passionate about like sociology and you two both start talking about it or you're having a regular conversation then you hear them kind of slip in something that they're really passionate about. Like one of my friends from there, we were watching the show Love is Blind and she was going on this rant about how frustrating it was, like from a sociological perspective, saying that, oh, this is supposed to be really inclusive and like, you know, but there's all these conventionally attractive people who were in this situation and, you know, she was going on and then someone made the joke like, okay, like, you know, it's Friday night, like, you don't have to talk about, like, you're in sociology <laughs> class. <laughs> so, like, it's cool that that's embraced. Like, nobody's like, oh, why are you talking about that? We're not in school. You know what I mean? Like, if you, if someone does make that comment, it's a joke. But, like, everyone can talk about things. You know, someone's a certain major and you kind of can see it in them because of the way they're really into it. So that's really cool. So let's go to the day back in March where yeah. you had to evacuate. <laughs> yes. March, it's uh, March of 2020. Let's yeah, talk about terrible. that. Because spring break was coming up and everybody was like, oh, spring break. But I think some other colleges had already been speculating about, oh, are we going to extend people's spring breaks, you know, and have them come back later and all this stuff. And I remember... The night before they announced we would have to go home, one of my closest friends and I were talking like, oh, no, like, <laughs> it'll be terrible. Like, the best part of the year is already is just beginning because second half of spring is also always really fun. There's a lot of events. There's spring drag show, which is bigger than fall drag show. There's the Grinnellian, which is the big music show. These were two things I was really looking forward to. There are a lot of good, like, Harris parties that were coming up that are really good themes. Oh, there's this little film festival like short films that students made that's really fun to go to and then that's a big event like it's held on campus and then there's another smaller one that's off campus that I submitted that someone usually holds at their house it's smaller and like more artsy I guess because some people in the bigger one like are just trying to make things with shock values sometimes that's a little weird but it is still interesting but yeah the smaller one I made a little video for at the end of my first year, which was really fun to make. I had a lot of friends in it, and it was just, yeah, so I wanted to do something for that again, too. Plus, I had my film class that semester, which was really great, and I was loving it, and we got to use these expensive cameras, we were learning how to use microphones, and we made some short film projects, and we were going to have a bigger one at the end. I was like, oh, this is all going really great. I had, like, four great classes, but then the next day... We all got this email saying, oh, we're going to send everybody home. Everyone was really shocked. Like, I remember being in um, one of the student, like, areas for students. Uh, it's, like, it's called the Spencer Grill. So they have, like, little snack foods that you order. Then you can sit around. So I was with one of my friends before class, and we got the email, and we are like, oh, my God, this is a joke. Like, this is ridiculous. Getting really upset and everybody was upset and we were like, oh my god, I can't believe it. People were calling their families and all this stuff. So we went to class and <laughs> in my class, like my professor was just like, uh, I don't even, we can't really 
let's just talk about this for a little bit. Then mm. we'll do regular class for the last half. But she was like, I understand. Like, everyone's freaking out. We were all talking and being like, whoa, this is unlike anything ever before, you know? I think Grinnell was one of the first schools to, like, actually do that extreme of an action because, yeah, not a lot of places were doing that. So we were just kind of like, oh, this is... I don't know if this is going to pan out. We might end up coming back. We'll see. You know, nobody knew how serious things would get, obviously, because mm-hmm. we didn't know anything about it. There was just like a lot of low energy in the air and everyone was talking to each other and being like, well, what are you going to do? And some people needed to stay. And so, yeah, it was just a huge inconvenient situation for everyone. <laughs> I still never like had a a shared emotional experience with like 1700 people like that because we all were like oh uh what (laughs) like this is unheard of obviously everyone felt really sad but we thought oh we'll be back in august but we felt sad oh we're going home so early yeah we did not want to just go home and not come back to like all the things we were looking forward to and all the classes we really loved and stuff that were now going to just be some weird online form i had my hip-hop class professor was like yeah i don't know what kind of format this class is going to be online but he was like this i'll try but he was like this is really crazy and unprecedented what made online classes difficult for you well i mean for me the best part of grinnell classes was you know they're smaller at the most 25 people but usually like 10 15 20 like depending on what what classes it depending on what class it is. Yeah, so there's that discussion element that is just lacking. You can't really replicate it well on Zoom or any online thing. It's just not the same, obviously. And, like, the intimacy can't be there, obviously. And it feels really cold and distant to just be behind a screen looking at other people on a screen rather than being together. And then there's also just, like, not having a good space to be like, this is where I go to class. This is where I sleep. This is a place where I like to study. This is a place I like to hang out. Like that's a campus, you know, and you don't have that at home. So it's really hard to be like, okay, here's where I do my work. Like you can't go to the library or anything in a pandemic, you know? So it was just like, okay, uh, here's me going to class at the dining room table or something. You know, it's just not the same. And also just so hard to focus on anything academic at home yeah, I just need like multiple spaces to be able to learn and actually have value from and actually absorb it. And I just didn't get that from online class. Also, I just wasn't in the headspace. Everyone was sad. I just didn't want to. Yeah, things were bad in the world, still are, but things were like especially crazy. And there was no certainty because it everything was getting worse every day. And it felt like, okay, well, what's the fall going to look like? And then it started to be like, oh no, like if we can't go back in the fall, what am I going to do? Yeah, so it was just a a bad time all around to be in online school. Is it fair to say that you were experiencing and are still experiencing grief for losing the college experience that you were so clearly enjoying? Yeah, for sure. I Every day, not every day anymore, but every day for a while, it was like, oh my God, like, I just feel like so much time is being wasted, especially when they were like, okay, 
at first it was, oh, we'll have a small group come back in the fall, and then it was no one should come back in the fall because things were too bad. And then it was like, okay, well, I'm going to take a semester off because I don't want to just be spending the next entire year possibly online and losing a whole year of actually having a college experience that's fulfilling and good and taking classes I enjoy and not just you know, BSing my way through them just to get it done and just just make it to being in person again, you know? And yeah, the social experiences are really important to being at college, you know? So for me, I just felt like, okay, no, I don't want to do a whole year online. So for me, taking leave was a good decision. But yeah, it felt like still all this grief towards here was how I thought the path was going to go. And then it diverted really terribly and everyone was going through it but it was still like this sucks like oh my god I haven't seen these people in so long months and months and we were supposed to see each other in August and now that's not happening and it felt like I would look back on memories or pictures and feel like man like I just want that back again you know because it was hard to yeah it's hard to like be ripped away from something that's like this is going to be four years that are great and then it's like well Here's a pandemic that's really lingering for a variety of reasons, and you're not going to have that uninterrupted, like, good four years, and it's going to be weird for a bit. So that was disappointing, for sure, because it was like, why does I have to come right in the middle of, you know, if I were graduating or something, that would have been fine, because at least I would have had most of what I wanted. Being the creative person that you are, having so many constraints, so many uh, restrictions, you did find ways to cheer yourself up. Can you share that? I mean, I tried to do more art because when I got back, I was like, I have more time. I can do a lot more painting and drawing and making things out of clay. So that was good. I mean, it kept me busy. And like, there were a lot of hobbies I could do that even if I didn't always feel like doing them, I had the outlet to do and it was good to dive into that and then also just work on um, different songs on guitar that I hadn't gotten to because you know I was in school and then in the band we were playing other things by band we did like a virtual open mic thing so we all recorded our parts and we played careless whisper which was fun we put crazy hats on and I played my part on bass and that was fun um, because we didn't get to have our final show so we at least wanted to put something together I have roller skates so I ended up doing that all the time going roller skating in this parking lot by my house because I wanted to get active and be outside and go somewhere and that was really the only place I could go and I got pretty good at it and learning like different tricks on it and made an Instagram page for it and was kind of putting myself into that and then in my film class when we had to do virtually we did different shorter projects for the end because obviously none of us had good equipment at home so we made a lot of short films it made me think more about how much I like to do that so that was something I ended up being able to watch a lot of movies and think creatively about a lot of things because then it was like okay now I can do these things and think about things even if I'm lonely and sad or whatever I can still creatively nurture myself so that helped me kind of feel better after a while of doing it and finding companionship and doing creative things and 
yeah, and getting out and skating and just listening to music and just thinking about whatever, you know, like even though it was a bad time overall, it was like there were good things I could do. So, yeah. So would you say that you were able to learn more coping mechanisms through difficult times or learning some more things about yourself yeah. and your own resilience through this? Yeah, for sure. I think that um, having space to think about things and think about myself and what I really like to be doing and having time to think, think and reflect and not be busy all the time and just like focus on my needs and what I was burying that I needed to think about that was, you know, something that I had a hard time with. And now it's like a lot better because I had the space to think about. Obviously a privilege in a pandemic to do, but it was good to have the space to do it. And also knowing that I can cope with things better when I know I'm using my creative outlets and getting, staying active and trying to just do things that are genuinely fun and that I enjoy and that don't make me feel stressed or anxious or anything that are just ways for me to be carefree. What's the most difficult thing or the most surprising thing you learned about yourself? Because you said you things that you made, you were burying before because mm -hmm. you were busy. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I, I've always liked having a balance between alone time and social time. But then at certain times it'd be like, oh, I really want to go to this thing and we got to go because if we don't, I'll just be in my room alone. I don't want to just be in my room alone. I'm thinking about bad things. But then when you're able to finally do it, it's like, okay, now I can think about what's this upsetting thing and what's this thing that I wasn't thinking about because I was trying to be like, I'm being busy and I'm being social and it's fine. But, you know, it's like, okay, why am I having these negative thoughts about myself? And then it was like, okay, I can finally realize, no, I shouldn't be thinking like this. Obviously, it's not like it wasn't an overnight easy thing, but eventually with time, it was like, okay, now I can focus on having a better self-image and everything like that, that I kind of buried in like, oh, haha, jokes and being social and stuff before, because it was just like, this is just how it is and whatever. But then I got to confront it. And even though it was hard, it was good because now I'm like a healthier person, even though the circumstances in the world are not good. It was a good time for me to reflect because if I didn't have that time, I'd still be stuck in the same place. Obviously changing as a person in some ways, but not growing. Mm -hmm. So would you call yourself an introvert or an extrovert? <laughs> Definitely neither, because <laughs> I know I'm not an extrovert because, again, like when I got to college and I was like, oh, why is it so hard to have close friends like other people do? Then I was like, well, because I'm not that kind of person who's just like, oh, my God, like being surrounded by a group of people, I always know the right thing to say. You know, I have this big personality. I'm only able to be loud and, you know, myself around people once I'm comfortable with them. But I'm also not an introvert because I know all that alone time made me feel crazy. And not just like, I know a lot of people who are introverted who were like, yeah, I'm struggling, but I'm also okay because I like to be alone and it's fine, even though sometimes it's not great. But for me, it was like, oh my God, this is terrible. Too much alone time wasn't good either. So I feel like now I can say like, I'm definitely a balance in between um, which I knew before, but I especially feel now that I've gotten a lot of time to think about it. It's, yeah, I just think that everything in life needs a balance. And for me, I'm not 
one extreme or the other. It's just in the middle. So if you're going to pick one favorite self-care when you're going through something really tough, mm -hmm. ritual or activity, what would it be? <laughs> Maybe just working on writing a, like a story that I'm writing that's really nice and the plot is really good and watching like a funny movie while I do it and just kind of just doing that and knowing that I don't have to feel any pressure or cares in the world. I'm not watching something really dense and I'm not writing something really intense. It's just like a nice way to feel carefree, I guess. And that's always good. It's, it's just a good way to feel grounded again if I'm ever feeling in too dark of a place. So that's why funny movies and TV shows have been good. Plus, I, as, I love watching them and absorbing the story so it is also like a creative outlet in a way too because then it makes me think about things I want to write. Do you have a question for me? Should I? Am I supposed to? Oh, well no. Uh, <laughs> um, I guess what? what's your favorite creative outlet when you're feeling down? Cooking something. Mm-hmm. Especially when I don't know what I'm going to make. One of my favorite things is to open the refrigerator and see a bunch of disparate or, or what may seem like disparate ingredients. Yeah. And to know that it's time to make dinner. Yeah. So I can use some creativity there and some mm -hmm. intuition. Yeah. And I can pull in like my old, my like grandmother part of me because she used to cook for us all the time, you know, your, your grandmother's mother. Yeah. And there's freedom in it, like you yeah. were talking about before. Mm -hmm. I don't like to measure things, so yeah. I can just kind of figure it out. And then I'm moving. Yeah. I, yes. I need movement. Mm -hmm. So all those things yeah. make me feel good. Yeah, yeah, I really like that. That's very cool. Yeah, cooking is fun. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? I think definitely health is multifaceted so it can't just be well I exercise all the time so I'm really healthy well no because if you're not taking care of your mental health and you're not and your emotional health and every all all the types of health that's what I learned in all that alone time like okay I'm not as healthy emotionally and mentally as I want to be so how can I help myself and improve that and what are some ways that I can make myself an actual well-rounded healthy person because it's not just about oh I go to the gym or oh I do this you know and also even in your physical health it's more than just exercise or more than well I don't eat that much and so I can be skinny that's not being healthy that's there's a block there that's making you think that the only good thing is your appearance you know so it's all got to be working together to help you so I think taking time for yourself and never overworking yourself, you know, not being too stressed out, which is, again, what my break from school taught me to slow down sometimes. Um, then you also, yeah, you definitely should have your exercise, but it's different for everyone. So it's whatever works for your body. You don't want to be pushing yourself to a limit that's too much for you and hurting yourself or anything, but you also don't want to be neglecting that part and not taking care of your body because your body's what's getting you through life, you know, so you want it to work. <laughs> And yeah, just doing stuff like journaling or, you know, anything that helps you to process any emotional feelings or anything like that will help keep you healthy and help you maintain like a, sen a good sense of self and 
taking care of others is also a good part of being healthy because if you're only thinking about yourself, then you're not fully nurturing yourself because you're not nurturing others. You know, like there's something that helps you within helping others. You can feel good inside and out, I feel like. So it's, it's a combination of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for everything you've taught me today. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. And now it's time for the Mindful Minute. I would encourage you for the next week to try journaling. Julia Cameron teaches in the artist's way to record your thoughts first thing in the morning on three pages. Don't let yourself overthink it. Just write whatever comes to you. After you've done this practice for a week, notice any habitual thought patterns and ask yourself, is it serving me? Is it helpful? Is it true? Know this. You are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. And are you interested in starting or maintaining a yoga practice at home? I teach yoga to wise women. I believe in empowering and educating wise women to thrive on their terms at every stage of life. Let's hear what a wise woman has to say. We focus on balance. I don't think I'm going to trip and fall, but should I trip and fall? Guess what? I know exactly how to get up. They're not, they're just not a lot of instructors out there like you at all. To learn more, connect with me at yogimd.net. And finally, podcast theme music is by my niece, Maya Bishop, on vocals, my daughter, Lizzie Kelly, on guitar and bass, yours truly on percussion, and produced by Tim Buer. Thanks for being here. See you next time.